Welcome back to Two Jane Doe Spooky Season Edition. So now that it is spooky season, we wanted to discuss movies inspired by and based off of true crimes. We put a poll out on our Facebook page that pitted The Silence of the Lambs, From Hell, and Scream Against One Another. And The Silence of the Lambs was the movie of choice. Now don't worry, the movies that were chosen will make another appearance later in the month against different movies for you to choose from since we'll be doing this for the entire month of October. But for now, you guys have spoken and we listen. We poured some wine, crawled under a blanket, and watched the movie ourselves. So, have you ever eaten a man's liver with some fava beans and a nice candy? Let's talk about it. This podcast contains some adult language, graphic descriptions of crime scenes, sexual assault, and murder. Listener discretion is advised. First things first is the Silence of the Lambs based on a true crime? Well, the answer is yes and no. The Silence of the Lambs is not based on a single specific true story. It's actually based on the book by the same name written by Thomas Harris, and he drew a lot of inspiration for the book from real life events and real people. And the summary of Harris's novel is that it's about an FBI agent named Clary Starling who teams up with Hannibal Lecter, who is a brilliant psychopathic killer and cannibal. They work together to track down another serial killer called Buffalo Bill. Although it seems odd, the two work together to solve the case and stop Buffalo Bill from killing again. But as they get closer to finding him, Clarice gets pulled into Lecter's dark world of manipulation and deceit while still helping her out on her quest for justice. The movie follows Harris's book with Clarice Starling being played by Jodie Foster, Hannibal Lecter being played by Anthony Hopkins, and Buffalo Bill being played by Ted Levine. So, we broke down and we watched the movie yesterday. And I know for me it had been years since I'd seen it. Same for me. I haven't watched it in a while. Yeah, for some reason, I guess maybe since I was younger when I watched it, I didn't really either understand what some of the movie was about or I just completely forgot that certain themes and things came up in the movie. Um, But I love that, you know, within the first 15 minutes of a movie, you have some crazy guy telling Clarice, I can smell your gut, and throwing jizz into her face. And that's pretty great. <laughs> I just think that, like any other movie done in the 80s, it needs remade. I don't know. It's don't know. it's a good movie, but I think that with everything that we got now, they could redo it and it would be like a thousand times better. I just feel that... 
there's some movies that shouldn't be redone. Like, it's a good movie. It is, but I lost interest. And I don't know if it's because of how the storyline was played out or the fact that no one died. Like, if I'm going to watch a scary horror movie, I want to see some people die. And well. that doesn't really happen in this movie. You see the crimes that have happened, but you don't get to watch these people actually die. I mean, I guess that's fair. If you want to watch, like, a psychological thriller or anything like that, you want to see people die. I, I mean, I can get that part of it, but I just don't think that anybody could play Hannibal Lecter as well as Anthony Hopkins did. Or, for that fact, I like Ted Levine as Buffalo Bill. Yeah, he did a pretty good job at that. But I think the actor who plays Hannibal in the TV series Hannibal is pretty good. And he makes food. Humans look really good to eat. I mean, well, I mean, like me and you were discussing, which I'm pretty sure this is the way it worked, was with Red Dragon, you go into a little bit more Hannibal Lecter's story, so you do get to see him outside of a prison setting, and he's having old friends for dinner. Ha 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 ha. That's also one of my favorite parts is at the very end as he's hunting down the completely awful Dr. Chilton. He tells Clarice, I must go now. I'm having an old friend for dinner. And Which to most people that would be, oh, we're going to meet up somewhere and have dinner. No, he plans to kill and eat Dr. Chilton. Which is good because yeah. he's an asshole. Blair and his gospel program and taking everything out of his cell just because he's mad. Mm-hmm. Total jerk face. Uh, but I mean, overall, still... Still a good movie. Still a good movie. I, yeah. I really enjoyed it. The The thing I hated most about the movie is Jerry Foster's voice. Yeah, that's super annoying. Dr. Lecter. Dr. Lecter. It's just... I don't know. Her dad, the way her dad talked for like that little cameo appearance appearance that her dad makes in the movie as a as a cop. I I don't mind his little bit of hillbilly slang saying, No honey, all the bad guys got away today. I didn't mind that at all, but she's just like got like this. I don't know. It's like she has something voice. stuck in her throat the entire time and she can't like cough it up to get it it out of the way of yeah. her talking. I mean, Jodie Foster's great, but like, man, they could have done any other voice for her and I would have been so much happier because of it. Well, plus, I mean, he's like, you're from West Virginia. Yeah. And she like, I, I feel like maybe she tried too hard to have our little twang that we have on words and maybe yeah. that's why she sounded so terrible. Well, I mean, she did, to me, she did not sound like she was one generation one generation away from white trash. No. You know, um, you meet some people from West Virginia and you can tell they're a generation, a generation away from white trash. <laughs> no, you can tell some of the people here are definitely a generation away from white trash, you know, just from the way we talk. But like I said, with hers, hers was just maybe just trying too hard overthinking it. Something. Whatever. And I mean, you got to think, there is a lot of different 
accents throughout the state of West Virginia, depending right. on where you go, but I never heard hers, so. No, me neither, girl. Mm. Me neither. Um, among other favorite uh, scenes from the movie, definitely when Buffalo Bill is in like his kimono with his one little nipple ring, <laughs> and he tucks his junk, and he's dancing and singing and putting on lipstick, that's an amazing part. I'd fuck me. Exactly. Such a good part in the movie. And I can't get over the fact that he had this weird fascination with bugs. I could not. Like, no. They represented change. So I don't that care. was like a deeper meaning in the movie, which again, this just, I mean, this is for me too. Going back to me being younger when I watched it, overlooking things, or maybe them just not making sense to me at the time. The moths was definitely something that I never really fully paid attention to. But, you know, to him, the moths could change. They could be beautiful and they could be strong. And for him, he was not able to change into what he wanted to be, which was a woman. But still, there ain't no way in hell I'm having that many freaking bugs in my house. Yeah, no, I always get nervous when I give my gecko crickets because I'm like, I swear to the Lord above, if one of these crickets gets out and gets on me in the middle of the night, I'm going to lose my mind. Yeah, I know. I completely understand. I don't like bugs. <laughs> Another good scene, though, although very overly dramatic, is Catherine in the well with dog. Oh, yeah. I don't want to hurt your dog, mister, but I will. She needs a vet. She's in a lot of pain. <laughs> I think she yeah. broke her leg. Yeah, and she, her character is from Tennessee, which, I don't know. To me, most of these more southern states like that, I, they all sound the same. But that's like me. I don't think I have a, you know, a real accent. And then I heard playback from our episodes, and I'm like, oh, God, just bury me alive. <laughs> <laughs> Sounds awful. But And plus I think it's very strange because I don't think it's 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 normal for like FBI to send a student like that to do his dirty work. You know what I mean? Yeah, I mean I, I would imagine that that would be a lot of red tape that you would have to fight because you know, even though everything turns out in the movie, they get the bad guy yeah, Lecter does get away. Spoiler alert. Uh, I'd imagine, you know, if there was any misstep in any of the process, then it would have fell back on her. Yeah. So, is it a true story? No. Would stuff like that happen in real life? No. Probably not. But if you have, you know, around two hours of your life to spare and you're bored on the Saturday and you want to watch a movie... You should watch it. You should watch The Silence of the Lambs because it's a good one. So, first we're going to jump into Hannibal Lecter's character. And according to Harris, he was inspired to create this character when he met a serial killer in the Nuevo Leon State Prison in 1963 in Mexico. The man's name was Alfredo Valle Trevino and he was known as the Wolfman of Nuevo Leon. Trevino got into an argument with his lover, Jesus Castillo Rangel, due to either money problems or him wanting, you know, insisting on marrying a woman. Um, however, Trevino killed his boyfriend, carefully sliced him into pieces so he could fit into a box, 
and attempted to bury the box on a ranch. His handiwork was uncovered, and Trevino was sentenced to death in 1961 for his crime of passion. He was also said to be a suspect in the killing and dismemberment of several hitchhikers, though those accusations were never proven. Right, so the name Hannibal Lecter is not an actual serial killer. The name is just based off of somebody else. Right. A lot of people want to say, oh yeah, Hannibal Lecter, that's a real serial killer. No. Not quite. He was a character in a book that was based off a Mexican guy who killed his boyfriend. (laughs) The warden at the Nuevo Leon State Prison said, quote, as a surgeon... He, meaning Trevino, could package his victim in a surprisingly small box. He will never leave this place. He is insane. End quote. And although Trevino was given the death penalty for his crime, his sentence was commuted and he was released from prison in 1980 after serving 20 years. Once free, he resumed his practice as a doctor and he died of cancer in 2009 at the age of 81. What a ripe old age. Could you imagine that? They're like, no oh, way. oh, are you going to go see, see, see Dr. Trevino? Oh, oh yeah. Well, did you know that he cut up people? Like, yeah. No, I, I don't think that would happen. I think that they would strip him of his medical license. Had to. You know? But it's Mexico. I could, it's like the wild, wild west out there, I guess. <laughs> Moving on to the big boy, Buffalo Bill. In the movie, Buffalo Bill essentially wants to become a woman. However, he faces difficulties while pursuing a gender reassignment procedure. And due to his mental health, he is unable to get the proper medical assistance that he needs. So, he begins to kill women in order to cope and be able to wear the skin of his victims. To add some drama, Buffalo Bill was inspired by a variety of serial killers by combining their characteristics and traits, and that's what we'll be diving into next. I will say, it was quite creepy to see him just chilling at his sewing machine, like, sewing up skin. (laughs) Yeah, yeah, and the one thought that crossed my head was, I have a sewing machine at home. My little singer sewing machine would not be able to put skin through it, I don't think. My mom has a heavy-duty one that might work, but... Yeah, it's a lot. And then, like, that, you that's see... That's why... I don't know why that was a thought that crossed my head. And then you see in the background this just, like, half of a boob Yeah, he's stomach. Got, he's got one boobie. He's, he needs the other one. And then he's, it was like a scuba suit. Yeah. And just with one tit. And then I had, of course, I had to ask my husband, like, <laughs> you know, I don't think the, like, the fatty parts of the breast would hold up o- over time. And he was like, oh, no, no, no. You would have to just skin it and empty it. And stuff you'd have to it. stuff it with, like, cotton or something. I'm like, oh, my God, why would you know that? Shut up. Oh, my God. The most, <clears throat> the most obvious influence is Ted Bundy. Ugh. But let's. Get something clear, we have no intention of giving Ted Bundy his own episode. No, Ted Bundy, suck it in your grave. There's only, you know, 1.5 million different documentaries, movies, podcasts, and all other types of things that will give you a plethora of information on him, and we won't tell you anything you might not already know. 
Basically, he's just been overdone, exactly. over-talked about, over-everything, and it's not exciting to hear about Ted Bundy anymore. No. So, with that being said, this will be the only time he will be covered on Two Jane Doe's. Yeah, yeah, get mad if you want to. <laughs> he's just, it's, it's like, he's overrated now. Like, that was like the number one person everybody wanted to talk about. Yeah. Same thing with like Jeffrey Dahmer. I mean, yeah. he's not quite as much as Ted Bundy, but I still don't feel us really talking about Dahmer. Right. I mean, with me, it's always, oh, Ted Bundy was so handsome, and I would do anything for Ted. Even these dumb bitches that were, they would, they just corralled themselves into the courtroom during his trial, and they just, he's so dreamy, there's no way. Yeah, honey, he did it. He cut bitches' heads off. He raped them. He killed them. Like, he's capable of this. Oh, but he's so pretty. He's so gorgeous. Yeah, and then that woman, like, goes in and gets pregnant by him. And then she ends up, like, disappearing. And her and her kid just fly her to the radar now. Which, I mean, I don't blame them. But I wouldn't want to be like, oh, that's Ted Bundy's daughter. Anyway, sorry. Rant over. Tangent. Moving on. So Bundy was very intelligent and had a degree in psychology, and he was actually working on a law degree when he was captured. <laughs> Obviously, he never completed the program. Instead, he became one of the most notorious criminals of the late 20th century by kidnapping, raping, and killing women. In total, Bundy confessed to 36 killings of young women across several states in the 1970s. However, experts believe there's more. There probably is way more. They're guessing closer to 100, if not more. But, of course, we'll never know because he was executed at the age of 42 in January 1989, just before they started making the movie, actually. And just like Buffalo Bill, he lured victims into his car by pretending to be injured and asking for help. Which, going back to the movie, that's mm -hmm. really the only time you see Buffalo Bill capture a victim. Yes. Is when he's luring Catherine to his creepy rapey mm -hmm. van because he's got a makeshift cast on his arm and he's trying to load a piece of furniture. So, <laughs> and she's like, yeah, you look handicapped. Like, yeah, you need help with that? You look a little handicapped. And then, like, she, he, you know, he, he was just total creepy. Yeah. Because he was like, can you go ahead and come up in the truck and just scoot it all the way back? Number one, I hope you get it to the truck. You can push yourself. Ain't that permit? I don't care if you got uh, a cast on, you're on crutches. If I can help you get it in the car, you can push it back. Mm -hmm. I ain't climbing up in your van. In the middle of the night, too, which is weird. And poor Catherine's cat was just up there like, where is my mom? Waiting on her mom to come home with her food. But anyways. So, that's one of the similarities there is, you know, Buffalo Bill lured female victims into his car by pretending to be injured. And a couple other inspirations for Buffalo Bill were Ed Gein and Jerry Britos. For those of you who know Ed Gein, pretty popular name. And for the purposes of this episode, we're not going to dive super deep into any of them, 
because they some of these people are inspirations for other movies Mm -hmm. and some of those which are going to be coming up in other episodes and you know if we can focus on them in either their own standalone episode or in another movie episode we would rather do that so yeah so Gein is a notorious killer grave robber and most well known for you guessed it, making skin suits out of his victims in the 1950s. He had a troubled childhood with an alcoholic father and he was controlled by a dominating mother. Mother. So he had some mommy-daddy issues. Yes. And after her death, his mental health deteriorated. He never left home, he never dated, and ultimately Gein only murdered two women, but in such horrific waves. Waves? Hmm. In such horrific ways. He beheaded and skinned the women and used the skins in various other body parts, such as their skulls, for soup bowls. I'm pretty sure he's the one that used skin as lampshades, too. Or that might have been somebody else. Mm. Other parts he preserved in jars. Skin lampshades. Skull bowls. Say that fast. Skull bowl, skull bowl, skull bowl. Yeah, not so easy. <laughs> um, he was found insane at the time of the murders, but fit to stand trial, which is a bit unusual. But gotcha, though. <laughs> Gein's health began to fail, and he was later transferred to a medical facility where he died of cancer and respiratory illnesses at age 77 in July of 1984. Breast in distress. So I would say that the majority of the Buffalo Bill skin suit making really came from Ed Gein rather oh, than yeah, anybody of course. else. Of course. Yeah. And then the last inspiration was a man named Jerry Brutus. And I don't know about you guys, I'd never really heard about Jerry Brutus until I started doing the research for this, which his name is actually Jerome, but it seems like everybody calls him Jerry. And um, he was a serial killer and necrophile who murdered four women in Oregon during the 1960s. He is known for wearing the clothes of his female victims and was known as the lust killer and the shoe fetish slayer. So I can see where he would relate here because, you know, Buffalo Bill wanted to become a woman so he wore his clothes and the lust killer part is one of the things that Hannibal Lecter tells Clarice about Buffalo Bill is he covets. Right. And that's, that's, you know actually how they end up tracking down where Buffalo Bill was located at in Ohio because, you know, what do you covet with? You covet with your eyes first. Mm-hmm. And so they found out ultimately that he knew his first victim because he had seen her and interacted with her to some extent. So, Brutus was a troubled child and began his crimes at age 17 by abducting and beating a woman They then escalated, and he eventually murdered four women, keeping grisly trophies and dressing in their clothing. Police set up a sting operation in which Brutus thought he would be taking a young woman on a date. However, they were there waiting for him, and they answered the door, and they caught him. So, in Brutus' home, they found a ton of evidence, including nylon rope and photos of his victims, and he ended up confessing to the murders of the four women, as well as several other assaults and attempted abductions. While serving his time at Oregon State Penitentiary, Brutus died of natural causes in March of 2006. 
Other serial killers linked to Buffalo Bill include Edmund Kemper and Gary Ridgway, or the Green River Killer, primarily due to emotional trauma that stems from childhood experiences that affects their worldview. But we're going to leave a little to the imagination since this is a heavy episode and we want to cover some of these guys later on down the road. We don't want to give away all of their little secrets. Right, right, because for us, the more content we can squeeze out of this for you guys, the better. And, I mean, if we're just doing brief summaries of these people, that leaves us plenty of room to get into their backstory and all the fun little crevices of their life that make you shiver and get chill bumps. (laughs) Yeah. So, Buffalo Bill's torture methods can be connected to Gary Heidnick, who was a Philadelphia man who lured women to his residence in the 80s and kept them in a hole in his basement. Obviously, this is a big part of the movie because this is where he keeps Catherine the entire movie. Put the lotion on. Puts the lotion on the skin or gets the hose again. This could be seen, obviously, like we just said, by Buffalo Bill capturing Catherine, who is a senator's daughter in the movie, and he keeps her in a hole in his basement, which this is actually making me think back to that part where Lecter got to meet the senator, and he was like, you know, men who lose their legs can still feel it tickle. When, when you... <laughs> When you think of your daughter when she's laying on the slab, where will it tickle you? And because he had just like asked her about breastfeeding. Did breast you breastfeed her? Yeah. Yeah. So he was wanting to know if it was going to tickle or nipple. Like, I just love it. I love the straightforward creepiness. Like, he's not trying to hide any of his oh, no. creepiness and like intelligence because he can, like RuPaul says, read you to filth. That's what he's good at. He can analyze you and tear you down with just his words. So, anyhow, um, Heidnick wanted to psychologically control his victims, where Buffalo Bill takes it a step further and he terrorizes them and then physically wears the skin, their epidermis. That's why you gotta put the lotion on. <laughs> you gotta yes. keep that smooth. Exactly, keep it smooth. And then he also liked finding. Buffalo Bill like finding bigger girls and as he would hold them captive and torture them he starved them so they would lose a little bit of weight so he could work the skin. (laughs) So in total Heidnick was convicted of torturing and murdering two women and kidnapping six. In July of 1999 Heidnick received a lethal injection and became the last person to be executed in Pennsylvania. And I'm pretty sure he tried to kill himself several times while he was in prison. He wasn't doing it right. Clearly. (laughs) (laughs) Oh, man. So, in total, Buffalo Bill is the combination and unholy manifestation of six real-life American serial killers. Once you know a little about each of them, you don't have to be an expert. You can see them in Buffalo Bill by the things he says and does in the movie. Overall, The Silence of the Lambs does a fantastic and terrifying job in how it captures various personality traits from real-life killers who struggle to find and understand their place in the world. And, you know, thinking back after 
you know, realizing, you know, which serial killers Buffalo Bill was actually based off of. I mean, in all honesty, I don't even think Ted Bundy should be included in that. Mm. I mean, obviously for being smart, maybe. But other than that, I think there was more of who Buffalo Bill is in the other five. Right, I mean, I can see that. But, I mean, Ted Bundy did lure him to his vehicle. So, the fact that he was kind of playing a little handicap and a little in need of help. I mean, that that was Ted Bundy's M.O. Uh, Up until he lost his damn mind and went to the Kyle Mega house and just started beating girls with stumps and biting her booties. Like, that was his M.O. Was, hey, I dropped my books. I have... A sling on my arm or he actually had like paper mache casts that he would make mm-hmm. and I mean just little things like that but it was always hey can you help me with my car or you know I dropped my books can you help me pick them up it was always that kind of thing and I mean if that was the way that Buffalo Bill was doing it which you can't really make that entire assumption because he only did it once in the movie right but again going back it comes from Harris, the writer of the book. And if that's who he claims to be drawing inspiration from, then, I mean, you really just got to take it at face value. But once you know a little bit about each one of these people, you can kind of see bits of them. Oh, for sure. In there. Yeah. And the one that kind of throws me a little bit is Edmund Kemper and Gary Ridgway. Because I never really... It doesn't... Other than Hannibal Lecter giving you a little bit of information from where he was a psych patient of his, you don't really have that much knowledge and information about Buffalo Bill. Like his past traumas or anything like that. Right, yeah, it doesn't really tell you much of anything of what he experienced as a child Right. It just goes into, you know, he... He, too, wants to change, like, the moth and the butterfly or whatever. Um, but he's unable to do so. I will say, though, that just for Ted Bundy's sake, he did a much better job at not being creepy, luring women into his vehicle. Unlike that one scene yeah, in this terrible. movie, it was super creepy. And if I was Catherine, I'd be like, go fuck yourself. Mm-hmm. Have a good night. Mm-hmm. I would have just went up to my apartment, fed my cat, fed my cat, stroked my cat, loved my cat, as we sat in the windowsill and watched him struggle to get that furniture in the van. Yeah. Because, as always, don't trust anybody, stay alive, because... Mind your business. People out here steady being creepy, just like Buffalo Bill and all the rest of these psychopaths. So, on a scale of 1 to 10... For being a type of psychological thriller, one being the worst, ten being the best, what would you rate Silence of the Lambs? Seven out of ten, at least. It's a good movie. It's a classic. Um, It's something that you can go back and watch. And I think it's one of those movies where you're always going to pick up something different or you're going to realize things that you didn't notice before. And you'll be able to read in between the lines of some of the stuff they say. So for me, it's a 7 out of 10. I'm on the verge of a 4.5 or a 5. 
so rude. Sir Anthony Hopkins would be upset. I enjoyed his his character. He did a great job, but it's the fact that I think it would do better if you had a bit more background information on Buffalo Bill. And the fact that it just needs redone. It does not need redone. It does. No. You don't have to re- That's the problem. There are no more original ideas left. It doesn't have to be completely and, redone. It just it needs has to be... To, everybody wants to remake movies that were good. I, it's a fine movie. It's a fine movie, but it's it's the 80s. That's all I gotta say. Honey. Honey. That's a good movie. You should watch it. Yes, please. Go ahead and watch it and give us your rating of 1 to 10 of Silence of the Lambs. Also, keep an eye on our Instagram and Facebook page so you can hear about the next poll. And cast your vote so that we may talk about whichever movie that you guys vote on next. Exactly. Y'all need to be active on our Facebook and our Instagram because we only got 48 votes. And we know there's a lot of you that listen and a lot of you that keep up with us. So, we need you to keep doing that. Okay? Okay. See you guys next time. Bye. Bye. Thanks for listening to Two Jane Does. I'm Emily. And I'm Kayla. Remember to tune in every Monday now at 8 p.m. as we dive into a new case. Please follow us on Spotify, subscribe to us on Apple Podcasts, and leave us a good review. Catch us on Facebook at 2 Jane Does, where you can find updates on our episodes and links to our other social media accounts. If you have any cases that you want us to cover and go into detail with, you can leave us a message there.